The European Patent Office podcasts bring you an insight into the technology and innovation shaping the world. Hello, and welcome to this podcast about patent commercialization by universities and public research organizations. I'm Jeremy Philpot, and I work in communications for the EPO. Now, in the past, I've taught and advised on intellectual property strategies for business, universities, and technology transfer professionals. So I'm delighted to have this chance to discuss a recent scoreboard on patent commercialization by European researchers. Joining me today, in a very socially distant manner, from separate locations, are two co-authors of the scoreboard. Ilya Rudik, Senior Economist at the EPO. Hi, Jeremy. And Thomas Beoyter, in charge of innovation support at the European Patent Academy. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to you both. Now, Ilya, you've been working in economics and statistics for many years, and you helped to set the parameters for the scoreboard. But before we go any further, perhaps you can help with one of the definitions. Everyone knows what a university is, but what is a public research organization? These are, in principle, research institutions which are either run by the government or they are funded by public money. And in principle, they can work on every topic or research area ranging from medical devices to safety standards, telecommunications, or even quite exciting areas such as deep sea explorations. Anywhere where robust and impartial science is is good and benefiting the society, but uh, also the industry. This is where PROs can be active. Uh, just to give you a few examples from France and Germany, well, we have the French INSEM Institute or the Pasteur Institute, which are quite big institutions. Uh, in Germany, the counterparts would be the Max Planck Society, Fraunhofer Institutes, or the Robert Koch Institute, for example. Okay, got that. So now we know what PROs are. Thomas, You've worked in the commercialization of early-stage technologies, right at that crucial interface between research and business for over 25 years before you joined the EPO. So your best place to answer this one, why would universities and PROs even need to commercialize their research results? Universities are for teaching and PROs do research. Neither of them are factories and they don't sell products. Jeremy, you're absolutely right. But taxpayers' money has to be invested for the public good. The society expects from the universities and the PROs to solve the big challenges the society is confronted with. To achieve that, they need to share their knowledge effectively. In reality, there is a huge gap between the technical solutions created by researchers and what businesses actually need to justify an investment into new products. To overcome this, the policymakers entrusted the universities with a third mission, the service to society by fostering innovation. That is where, for example, the technology licensing offices come in. They help to develop and let's call it package the technical solutions in a way that they can be more effectively transferred to businesses. Thank you, Thomas. You argued the case very clearly. In our annual patent index, we published the statistic on the sources of all patent applications to the EPO in 2019, and some 10% of them came from universities and PROs. So what is the role of patents in that technology transfer? Ilya? What patents do is that may, they make technology tradable and transferable, because patents make intangible things, such as knowledge, which is produced 
by universities and payrolls more tangible so that it can be an integral part of contracts. In that respect, patents can fulfill three different roles. First of all, it can provide a framework for collaborative research so that you can have universities or PROs collaborating with uh, partners from the industry. They can support different business models for universities and PROs because they can license the technology. And indeed, they license the patents because this is kind of the vehicle for the technology transfer. They can also sell the technology. And last but not least, what is also important is that for the creation of spin-offs, patents can be an integral part because they can attract investment from different investors. Because if they see that the technology is protected by patents, they know that there is a good chance that the spin-off can enter the market and protect the technology from being copied. Okay, but I want to explore a little bit more about why do the scoreboard? Because the EPO is responsible for searching, examining and granting patent applications. So why should the EPO be interested in how other people then use the patents that they've got? Why, why should we care about why universities and PROs commercialize their patents? Like the EPO, the universities and the PROs are part of the overall innovation ecosystem. In 2018, more than 110 billion euro were spent on R&D. This puts Europe among the global leaders, and we only can make use of this huge investment if the universities and the PROs know what their role is in respect to commercialization of their research results. Most breakthrough innovations originate in the fundamental research that is absolutely important for our society as we now have seen in the crisis. BioNTech, that's the company that is known to many from public media, they developed one of the very promising and yet-to-come vaccines against COVID-19. So we depend on each other in this innovation ecosystem, and everyone has to contribute to its best possibilities. Jeremy, let me also give you a few EPO-related numbers. So you already mentioned that one in every 10 patent applications that we at the EPO receive comes from universities and PROs. But what in my view is maybe even more important is that there are more than 1,000 institutions behind those patent applications. Only in the last 10 years. Of course, we have players which are relatively small, which contributed maybe only one or a few uh, patent applications in the period. But at the same time, we also have really big players such as the French Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission or the German Fraunhofer Society, which on a regular basis belong to the top applicants at the EPO. Well, this all sounds very good so far. And it seems that European universities are well positioned so what's the scoreboard about? Does it show that everything is fine? Let's first start with where we see room for improvement. Valorization of research results, especially in the high-tech area, has a much bigger potential. We are still lagging behind the US and China. The link between R&D and the market is neither efficient nor effective enough. The conversion rate of research results to actually commercialize solutions has for sure to be improved. But for that, of course, we need to know more about where we are already on a good track and where we still need to improve. In the commercialization of research results, it is fair to say that the chain is as strong as its weakest link and we have to find out where are we strong, where we need to improve. 
Indeed, Thomas, despite receiving um, many applications from universities and PROs, we know indeed very little of what happens with these patented inventions. Therefore, we have interviewed people who are responsible for technology commercialization coming uh, from universities and PROs. We targeted uh, more than 240 institutions in Europe and asked about the fate of over 650 European patent applications, about what actually happened to them, so whether, how, and with whom, the patent inventions are exploited, the characteristics of the underlying inventions, but also why exploitation has not yet taken place, if it wasn't the case. But also at the same time, for those inventions where we know that they have been commercialized, what were the main challenges so that we understand the process and can find solution to potential obstacles. Indeed, we followed a very similar methodology, which uh, we already applied in a scoreboard of SMEs, which was published in 2019, uh, where we have tried to understand the same things, but from a different perspective. I think of commercial exploitation as done by companies. So why aren't they just you know, handing the stuff over and, and companies do that for them? You're absolutely right. But think about the situation of the companies. They are there to make money and they only can invest if the outlook, the potential is in a sound balance with the risks. Innovation is very risky and has a high failure rate. And here, the universities and the PROs, they can help to cross the valley of death that is between the technologies developed and the market they, that they needed. In addition, the universities also can scout for finding the killer applications where is a real market need and by doing that, increase the potential for the companies. So the universities, they have an advantage in that. They can gain uh, if they succeed in that mission, in this third mission of the universities, because they will have a better reputation and that makes it easier to attract the best people and to attract the funding. Studies have shown that uh, about 20% of R&D that is done is redundant. In addition, there's a potential return on the investment in R&D. And the top universities, for sure, they can create additional source of funding. And most of the universities at least will have some incentives for the inventors to engage in commercialization of research results. Well, return on investment is always an important factor, and particularly if the investment uh, has come in part from taxpayers. I'm sure every government is interested in knowing about any wasted effort in R&D and what can be done to minimize it, and, and certainly encouraging uh, researchers to look in the patent literature uh, to support their R&D and, and not waste time reinventing the wheel is something that the EPO has been preaching for years and years. But I'd like to come now to Ilya and ask a little bit more about over 640 interviews that you did. So what were some of the things that these technology licensing officers were telling you? So what we saw and uh, observed during the survey is that, uh, as already expected, bringing the technology to market and making sure that somebody uses and implements it uh, together with the, with the motive of creating uh, a steady revenue stream for the, uh, for the university or, or PRO were the two main motives, both of them with an acceptance rate of more than 90%. But what really surprised us is that to see that the formation of spin-offs so to create startups based on the technology developed at universities and PROs uh, was uh, mentioned as an important motive by less than half of the respondents, uh, which actually shows us that there is a preference for licensing and sale agreements rather than uh, making sure that there are new companies 
coming out uh, from universities and materials based on the technologies. And this, uh, this split between the two motives was even more extreme for with institutions from Southern and Eastern Europe than from Northern and Western Europe. I might add some explanations for that. Take like explanations for why universities actually prefer licensing and IP sales over the startup route when we see what actually was implemented. So for universities and PROs, it is often much easier and more straightforward, faster to realize technology licensing or selling than taking an active role in the creation of new startups. Many technology licensing offices may lack the skills, the access to entrepreneurial founders, as well as uh, access to early-stage investors that are for sure hurdles to overcome. In average, it usually takes longer and is more uncertain to commercialize a technology in a startup, although the overall outcome might be much better. Last but not least, the administration of licensed contracts is a very straightforward process, but the participation management, that is also observed to be a challenge. And these differences are more profound for Southeastern Europe technology transfer offices compared to the, those in Northern West Europe. Right. So here it is. This is the $64,000 question. Are universities and PROs any good at commercialization? Are they able to have any significant level of success in comparison with the respective industry sector? Well, Jeremy, yes and no. Indeed, what we find that over one-third or 36% of the patented inventions are already commercialized by universities and PROs at the time that we asked the question. They mostly use licensing and uh, R&D corporations or sales as the channels of patent transfer. And interestingly, those numbers are relatively stable across technology sectors, but also across different regions. So if you compare South and Eastern Europe but, or Northern and uh, Western Europe, but also if you compare universities to PROs. Okay, so just over one third of uni or PRO inventions are the subject of deals with commercial partners. Thinking about the deals that typically make the news headlines, these always seem to be between universities and big industry players. I'm thinking of the recent example of the so-called Oxford vaccine, and that's going to be mass-produced by AstraZeneca. So is this often the way? Uh, Jeremy, indeed, what we find is that it's not only large companies that are making deals with university bureaus. SMEs or small, medium-sized enterprises are as likely to close deals with universities and bureaus as big companies. What is surprising is that this is a similar result to what we found in our SME scoreboards last year. SMEs, despite having a preference for large companies, they are still equally likely to cooperate with SMEs as they are with large companies. Actually, I might uh, add to that. Seen from my own experience running a technology licensing office at a technical university, I can tell you that there we had larger companies being heavily engaged as R&D partners. More deals were closed with the larger enterprises than with SMEs. In contrast to that, when we were scouting for new partners, new licensees, outside of the existing network, we more often contracted with SMEs they were more agile to close a deal with a new university partner within the typical time frame for which research organizations can afford the patent protection. What we have seen in the study is an averaged value. And in average, we see there's a similar probability that contracts are closed with SMEs as with big companies. But let's go back to the 36% overall. 
Is that a low number or a high number? I would say this is rather a high number, showing that high-quality inventions have higher value protected by European patents. Three-quarters of respondents regard their patents to be part of the top half of all inventions in their industry. As the European patent system allows patents to be protected in several jurisdictions, applicants were obviously interested in broader geographic protection for their top inventions. Thomas, at the same time, despite the positive results that 36% are successfully commercialized, it also means that 64% or two out of three patented inventions are not yet exploited. The good news is that, again, two-thirds of these two-thirds are actually patented inventions where we already have plans for their commercializations. So here's clearly some untapped potentials which needs to be uh, brought to market and exploited. Yes, but Ilya, what's holding that potential back? Why is it not materializing? Well, indeed, the main reasons why these uh, are not yet commercialized is, first of all, that um, many of them, or 76%, are still in the research and development stage. The second reason is that the commercial opportunities could not have been yet identified. So if we combine these two aspects, uh, we've definitely find that the main reason is that the proof of concept for those technologies is still missing. I can only confirm. Proof of concept is of utmost importance for commercialization. It actually defines how close the technology is to the market. The prominent and obvious example is the potential vaccine that we have been talking about. The vaccine that needs to be tested in clinical trials. But this principle is also valid for other technologies in other industries for which proof of concept might be easier to be realized in the university environment. Mm, really? I mean, it, is proof of concept or the lack thereof the only thing that's holding them back? Actually not. There are other factors as well. In the cases of successful commercialization, the respondents told us that cost and complexity of negotiation was named as the main challenge. Licensing deals are defined for long-term relationships. Win-win deals are therefore required, but difficult to achieve. Actually, that requires a lot of experience. Experienced negotiators on both sides. The experienced ones not only know what needs to be covered, what needs to be regulated in a contract, but they also know what options exist to create a real win-win deal so that both parties have an advantage. Right. I'm having flashbacks here to my time in the UK over 15 years ago. I remember then the Lambert Review, and it was looking at the barriers to tech transfer from UK universities. And they were finding what you've just described, Thomas, um, that university TTOs were having difficulty with the licensing deals, that they struggled with negotiations, they lacked experience. And one of the outputs of that review was the creation of a toolkit of model licensing agreements. And it, it helped a lot at the outset to establish who would own what that came out of the project, uh, who had what responsibilities and who was going to uh, share in any of the profits. You were absolutely right. Actually, the Lambert Toolkit became a role model for several other countries like Germany, France, Austria or Italy. They rolled out similar templates to their own universities. This is very helpful as it helps also less experienced actors to gain a better understanding what needs to be regulated, as you said, and what are the options to do so? So coming back to your question, for those inventions not commercialized, 
failure to find interested partners and lack of resources are also reported as very important challenges. Indeed, Thomas, if I may interrupt, what we find is that, especially for institutions from Southern and Eastern European countries, failure to find interested partners was the main reason why exploitation has not taken place and mentioned for, by 66% of the respondents. Lack of resources was mentioned by 42% and twice as often as by respondents from Northern and Western European countries. Okay, so you've defined a difference, Ilya, between different parts of Europe, but what explains those differences? So what the survey actually reveals is that universities and PROs largely rely on personal networks or networks of prior business and research partners for the conclusion of commercialization deals. At the same time, from economics, we know that the largest markets and the companies which could demand the technology that is stemming from universities and PROs most of them are located in the northern and western European countries, which means that TTOs and TLOs from institutions in eastern and southern European countries would find a way to tap into these networks, which of course is much more difficult than if those companies in those markets are located locally. Uh, that actually is very much confirmed by what we have learned about the choice of partners. Nearly three-quarters relies on local partners from the same country. And that actually explains what, Ilya, you have mentioned before. The split for the southeastern European institutions is much more balanced since they have a higher pressure to look outside their local markets to find commercialization partners. Okay, Thomas, but what, in your opinion, could be done to overcome these challenges? When looking for partners... Channels such as patent databases or internet trading platforms were used much less often. With the advent of the COVID-19 crisis in 2020, virtual interaction and digital services developed extremely dynamically. Patent databases or internet trading platforms could become better and more important options for the future. Regarding the other reason, which is lack of resources. Indeed, it stems from the important insufficient resource endowment of, on the level of the technology transferring and licensing offices. In institutions in Southern and Eastern Europe, uh, we observed that 48% of the respondents from those countries considered the resource endowment as being insufficient, and only in 14% they were satisfied with what they had at hand at their institutions. Indeed, what we find is that TTOs and TLOs in Southern and Eastern European institutions, they are per se smaller, but at the same time, they also have less people who are in charge of the commercialization process of patented inventions and technologies. I think that just increasing the budget would not be enough to solve the problem. What we need is an improvement in the access to necessary expertise, how to valorize technology and uh, patents, which could, for example, be accomplished through knowledge sharing between the TTOs and TLOs in Europe, which is already done on the European level, but could be supported even more. Okay. So, thank you both. Let me summarize what we've got then as the, what seem to be the four main challenges for universities and PROs for bringing their patented inventions to the market. They've got difficulties with proof of concept. Um, they've got the complexity of trying to do negotiations with an industry partner. Um, this assumes they can overcome the difficulty of even finding the right partners in the first place. And they need expertise and knowledgeable support to help them with technology transfer. I think that might be a bit depressing, but 
Thomas, uh, do you find the, uh, the the school board encouraging? Does it does it help you, or is there anything there that at least gave you a positive surprise? Absolutely, yes. There is a clear advancement in technology commercialization practice. So, just to give you examples, seventy eight percent of the respondents had a written technology transfer and commercialization policy. In addition, the universities have done the homework. So, IPR as a legal topic is hardly regarded as a challenge. For 64% of the patents, a freedom to operate check was carried out. This is crucial for commercialization since it reduces the legal risks for businesses. Also very encouraging is that the majority is interested in further training, especially in technology commercialization. That indicates a clear motivation to become even better in giving back to society technical solutions that can help solve the burning challenges. Many thanks to you both, Ilya Rudik and Thomas Beerreuter. This has been fascinating. So, this latest scoreboard was the second in a series. The first one last year looked at challenges to patent commercialization for Europe's small and medium-sized enterprises. And a future scoreboard will look at larger companies. These scoreboards will support the EPO's other activities like training in patent strategy for researchers and business through the European Patent Academy and other national innovation support services around Europe. Subscribe to the European Patent Office's podcast channel, Talk Innovation, at epo.org, or on your favourite podcast platform. Let's Talk Innovation.